Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I'd like to talk about this. You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus. Jesus speaking to us. And he says this right after, at the beginning of the, um, the Beatitudes, the, uh, or the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and he opens up with the Beatitudes, blessed ours. Uh, and then right afterwards, goes right into this. You are the salt of the earth, which last week we talked about being the light of the world. And this week it's the salt of the earth. I just really want to hit this. And you may say, well, gosh, Eric, you've mentioned this verse. You've mentioned this, co- this, uh, this topic. Probably, I-, I might even say it weekly. I don't know. I might. I, at, least, at least once or twice or three times a month, they, they talk about us being salt and light. I think it's because it's so imperative. It's for us to understand it. To understand it in a way that what God actually is saying. What Jesus means by this. You are the salt of the earth. And then he goes on to say, but but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Uh, A lot of translations will lost its saltiness. I like the the term flavor because it seems like that can, that's, uh, uh, I understand that. It says, can you make it salty again? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out. And trampled underfoot as worthless. There's something in this that I, I need us to understand, and I believe we need to hear it and see it as Jesus is speaking it. Because I need to ask the question, uh, and I think it's a good question as I talk about these different things and what the the aspects of what saltiness looks like. And because I think that you know, in my text I said, you know, that we we didn't sign up to be thrown out, right? We didn't sign up to be tossed out. And who wants to be trampled on? I don't think there's, I, I, I'm not, that's not what I signed up for. Hey, I want to be a Christian. Okay, good. You're going to get trampled on. No, that's not what we're about. So, so what is Jesus even saying here? Is, this there, is there a possibility, a, actually, is, is it possible for salt to lose its saltiness? That's a good question, huh? I don't know if anybody knows the answer. Does anybody know the answer? I bet you we think we might know the answer, but go. Okay. Okay, so, so David says it can be diluted so much to where you can't notice it, recognize it, correct? But here's the opposite of that. I want to just throw this out, out there. You take one little tiny grain, grain of salt, you put it in a, let's say, a drop of water a drop of water, would you be able to recognize that salt in a drop of water? Would you be able to, to identify that drop of water, if you put that drop of water on your tongue, would you be able to say there is a grain of salt in it? Hello? I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I know this is all hypothetical, and it's like, okay, you're going to go home and try. That's fine. But... What if you were to take then that drop of water that had the grain of salt in it and put it in a five-gallon bucket of water? A 50-gallon drum of water. Maybe a swimming pool with 50,000 gallons of water. Would you be able to identify that grain of salt? No, but here's something that you might not know. Maybe you know if you just think about it, if you realize this. If you were then to take that 50,000-gallon pool of water, allow it to evaporate, get down to 50 gallons, evaporate to 5 gallons, get back down to one drop, and then it evaporates all the way to where it's nothing, what's left? 
a grain of salt. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It doesn't get lost. It doesn't, get, doesn't disappear. Now, it can be diluted, and it can be contaminated. So there's things that can happen to salt that can actually alter it so much so that where it's not identified as salt, not recognized as salt. Are you guys following with me and tracking with where I'm going to be going this morning? Hello? Okay, both of you, you guys get to join in. The rest of you have to listen. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to go, there's a couple of things that Jesus doesn't just pull this out. I, I, I would believe, I would even venture to say that Jesus was the smartest man that ever to existed. You can argue with me all day long on that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. Jesus was the smartest man to have ever been born. And so that means anything scientific, biological, anything geographical, anything that Jesus says, he knows what he's talking about. Hello? Right? Jesus knew what he was talking about. He was, in fact, if he were a scientist, he would really come up with some pretty good stuff. And I think that there's, uh, there's, because he knows what he's talking about. He knows, he knows how we're made. He knows what exists. He spoke all of it into existence. So, you know, just to think about like him speaking it, 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 and then, you know, in the wording of speaking life into existence, creation just. I'm, I'm just curious as to the wording of how he d- described just a tree, how he described a rock. I, I mean, as I, I, I marvel at, there's certain things I marvel at in nature, and one of the things I marvel at, honestly, is our rock formations, natural rock formations, because it's something that, and, and unlike George, these, these rock formations that are natural, they're placed there so intricately and so perfectly and precisely by God's hand and by God's speaking that it's like it's marvelous to me because it's nothing that man can duplicate nothing that man has a possibility or capability to actually duplicate unless you're like George and you have big sticks of dynamite you just blow it up and you make it look however you want right but God spoke it and it happened and that's so cool to me and so when God is speaking this into existence when he says you are the salt of the earth I think there's there's something very direct in what he's referring to uh, in Leviticus which I, I've discovered I don't know if you guys know this about my son-in-law Noel Leviticus is his favorite book of the Bible which I, I, I that's a little odd to me but I, I'm I, I accept that as as okay if you like Leviticus in the Bible that's uh, one day we'll have a conversation as to why but this is okay. So Leviticus chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Isn't that cool? Season all of your offerings, your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings that is. I don't know why that's so cool to me, but I understand it and I get it as, the, as what God is referring to is, the, is, the, is to put salt in that which you offer to the Lord. Because it's, it's a reminder of how God is not just your provider, but He is your protector. He's your purifier. He is all things to you. So we, He sets these little things up for us to, as reminders for us to say, hey, put salt in it. And we get into where Jesus says, have salt in yourselves. 
And I think that that's what he's actually referring to is, is come to God, come to me with the saltiness that I have given you, with the life that I have put inside of you. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. <laughs> Isn't that such cool wording in the Bible? Just don't ever forget to do it. Why, do we, why does he say that? Because if, if, we, if we forget that it's all about God that does it, God is doing it, we will start thinking it's me. Honestly, in every single one of us are fully capable of puffing up with pride and thinking it's all about me. Every single one of us. There's not a person on the planet that is not capable of getting puffed up. We must always, always, always remember it's God. It's God. And God is the one that has, is doing it. God the one that has done it. And he's going to continue to do the work inside of us. In Exodus, this is awesome. I, I, I love this passage. Because this is in the uh, developing, the actual working of the tabernacle. That, you know, it, at the beginning, when God put, when God uh, spent time with Moses on the mountain... It was so cool because God showed Moses the exact picture of what the tabernacle was to look like. Gave him a picture of it. So much so, you know, and I think, man, how did he remember the details? Because God imprinted it in his mind. So much so that, you know, when he came down, he had the blueprint of the tabernacle in his mind. And so he put the work into place to build it. And here's, here's a part of the, this tabernacle, which is where the presence of God would rest, where the presence of God would meet with man. And, and at this place, he's, he, this is a neat little place in Exodus chapter 30, starting in verse 34 is where I'm going to read. And this is after, though, after uh, God gives Moses the, the direction of the anointing oil that he is supposed to anoint with, that, that the priests are to anoint with. Read Exodus chapter 30. And it's about, in, I think, verse 20-ish or so. If you will, go home and read it. And I'm telling you, read what the, the recipe for the anointing oil. Have you ever read it before? It's stinking awesome. When I, when I say, can I say that? Really awesome. Because it's like so cool. I mean, they, he has these, like, it's an amazing amount of spices. An amazing amount of spices. And, and one of them is Cinnamon. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and they mix it with olive oil, and then they're to, to make this anointing oil with it. I'm, as I was reading it, I was smelling it, and I was like almost tasting it, because it looks so, it sounded so delicious. Like, wow, the room must have had an aroma that was so sweet and beautiful. I mean, and this is what God designed. God designed the anointing oil to be absolutely if, I, if you could say breathtaking to your nostrils, that's what it would be. It would overwhelm you with a sense of sweetness. And that's the anointing oil of God that he says, and he gives them the recipe for that. And then he gives them this recipe for um, the incense, which is, which is where you're supposed to take it. You take it right before the Ark of the Covenant. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell and galbanum okay now i had to read this in the new living translation because the other translations actually had that stuff written out and it's some weird stuff 
So I, this is like, it, it, I couldn't pronounce any of it. Barely pronounced that. So they mixed these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts, and using, using the usual techniques of the incense maker that, that he would use, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. And then God tells Moses, after you've done this, to bring this incense into, listen, this is so good, this is rich, bring this into the Holy of Holies and place it in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where I'll meet with you. Listen to what he's saying here. All of the things that we do, we sprinkle with salt. And he says, and that salt is where that's the purifying. That's, what's the, that's what makes it holy. That's what makes it consecrated, dedicated to me. And when you do that, that's where I'll meet with you. Do you see what he's saying here? This is so rich and so important for us, I believe, to understand and to really grasp and get that there is a, a recipe. And I, 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 when I found out that Naomi was coming today, I honestly was, for some reason in my brain, my brain went like a little berserk. And I thought Micah was going to be here too. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Naomi, I love you, and I'm super sweet that you're here, but I was excited that Micah was going to be here, and I'm thinking, oh, I could talk, I could like bounce some stuff off of Micah, because he's like, he's in this rich world of, of, of doing these, the, and, and honoring the sacraments that God has set up to honor God and make things pure, and, and I love it, I love it with a passion, I really do, and I, I'm super passionate about my love for Jesus, but I'm extremely passionate about the, the format that God set up that he wasn't, he wasn't just, just throwing stuff off the cuff. I mean, he had he, his ideas, his thoughts, his recipes, and his, his designs are perfectly planned out and made for us to honor. And this is what the church, the, I believe the body of believers needs to really understand is we can't make light of the things that God has made holy. We can't make little of them. We must make them holy. We must make that which God has made us to be is to be holy and pure before God. You know how weird we are? I, I, it, just, it, just, it just dawned on me how peculiar of a people that we are. To do what we do and just call it following Jesus. Call it discipleship. Call it Christianity. We call it commitment. I love it because it's, it's, it's working. It has worked and it's continuing to work. It's transforming my life. What we do, we worship a God that we don't see with our physical eyes but we know and believe is real because he's inside of us. How amazing is that? That's, that's weird though. This, isn't that weird? Think about it. It, it, it. How many of you have lost friends? I mean, unsaved friends. You ever try to explain to them what Christianity is? And they look at you like, that's just weird. Like, yeah, but it works. 
it works. Anyway, I don't even know where that came from, but that was, let's go, let's go back then to what Jesus is declaring us to be, is the salt of the earth. What is he actually referring to? You are the salt of the earth. What is he referring to? I've got five, five little uh, points to make, and, and then um, and that's it. Just five. I <laughs> don't know the length of each one or how they're, but there's five of them. What is he referring to us as salt? So, I, I mean, I, I, and, and maybe somebody has some different ideals or thoughts about what salt actually is. I think, I think you'll, it'll, as I share these, please feel free to interrupt, interject, or, or ask, and we'll, try, we'll talk about more because I think all of these points will actually sum it up. Uh, first one I'd like to talk about, and this is really kind of a, an obvious one, is salt is a preservative. We know this, right? Salt is a preservative. Uh, basically, Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus makes us life preservers. Hello? Jesus is referring to us as life preservers. Agents of heaven looking for opportunities to recruit the lost and the dying so they don't go to hell as we once were before we knew Jesus. Unless somebody shares with them. Somebody loves them. Somebody reaches into their lives. You are an agent of heaven. You are a life preserver. You are the salt of the earth. So you are a preservative agent in a world that's dying and decaying. That's the truth. That's who you are. That's what you are. That's, it's more who you are. And who you are is it'll be about what you will do. So you are a preservator, a preservative. Yeah. How about this? Salt is covenantal. Salt is, there's, there's a thing called a salt covenant. And that was a covenant that you would make with a, uh, a business partner. And that, you know, have you ever heard of, you know, salt is, there's some phrases that we might have heard growing up. Maybe growing up, maybe you still say them, maybe some of you do, you know. Man's worth is salt, right? Right? What does that even mean? Because salt was a form of payment. It was actually a form of salary. And it was actually a covenant that you would make. Is that, you know, you ever seen that you throw salt over your shoulder thing? That's, that's actually a part of a covenantal uh, process that salt actually has meaning in making a covenant. And what that actually is, is, is it's, a, it's describing and it's a, depicting a faithful people that Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, a faithful people who are committed to Christ as Jesus is committed to us. And see, here's the thing is, whether we realize it or not, the world is always looking at us, always watching us to see if what we profess is real and sustainable. Hello? You guys tracking with me on that? Because what what they're looking at to see is like, are these people who call themselves Christians, do they actually stick together for one another in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties? Are we actually sticking with each other as we say we are? Especially when one goes off or astray. Do we stick with each other or do we just kick him to the curb and say, well, he was not one of us. The world's watching, whether you realize it or not. How we deal with each other in covenant. 
in relationship. It's commitment. And that's when we talk about... That's why I don't like the term going to church. Because it seems just too light or too... uh, It's just ineffective of what it actually means to be a part of the body of Christ. Because... I could go to church, I could go to maybe another church, I could go to this church, go to that church. Go to a church and I could just kind of go, do my part, sit, listen, sing, maybe give a little bit, you know, put five bucks in the basket, whatever it takes, you know, to be a part. And then go to another church. Hello? It seems to be that's what Christianity is made up of a lot of churches these days where it seems as though there's not really a covenant involved. There's not really a a determined, a committed relationship with others involved. Does that make sense? And that's why it's so important. I got you, Linda. Hold on one second. That's why it's so important for us to really understand and buy into the body of Christ. Buy into what He has called us to be, committed to one another, committed to Jesus, committed to one another, helping one another, even when it hurts, even when it's something that we, we might, have to, might have to put our principal in the back seat, not your principal from school, put the, your principles in the back seat and care more about the person and let God work out the issues in that person's life and, and actually like reach in and say, because that's what I'm called to be as a life preserver and a committed, faithful follower of Jesus committed to the body of Christ in any and all circumstances. Amen? I heard you well. I don't know if everybody else did, but that basically Linda was sharing that there's been, and it's statistically proven and said that there's, there's a lot of people that are, that are just basically not committing to the body of Christ, not committing to a, a particular specific body of Christ. And, and hey, I think just about everybody in the room here, I don't know, who was here at the salt mine when we first started? I mean, very, very first Sunday. <laughs> that, sure, yeah, that counts. <laughs> which, which I don't know if you guys realize that that's, this, is, this subject matter is where this name, the name the salt mine comes from. We are the salt of the earth. We are the salt mine. This is... Uh, does anybody ask you, anybody get asked, I get asked a lot, like, where did that name come from? Why do you guys call yourself the salt mine? Yeah. What, what's your response? Anybody? Anybody in the room? Huh? Because we're the salt of the earth. Okay, that's good. Quick, boom, black, boom. That's a good answer, yes. I always, I always go a little bit farther. I'll say, you know, something in the effect of, you know, what we do is, is, is a... Uh, is a healing agent, a preservative, and you know the, the original context of what Jesus said is the salt of the earth is about being something that's effectively helping that which is needed, salt of the earth. So I, I'll, I'll go a little bit farther, but that's because I, I like to. If somebody asks me a question, I like to just, yes, yeah, yeah, good, you're paying attention, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mm. So it's covenantal preservative. Now the next one is a purifier. This is super cool. Salt is a purifier 
We are to be a cleansing agent, a cleansing agent who brings healing, not divisiveness, which actually hurts and destroys. Jesus said he came to bring life, not death. You know, when you have a, and Joy's a nurse in the room, if Billy were here, she, she would uh, testify. When you have an open wound, and the highest priority is, is to what? The very first thing that must happen into an open wound is to clean it, is to clean it. Have you ever tried to seal up or, or just like, yeah, just whatever, put some, you know, in, in, in my world, is <laughs> just duct tape. Duct tape. Duct tape is, is, man, that stuff is awesome. I could use duct tape on anything. Yeah. But, but it's important to get it clean first. You know, at least run some water on it, get the dirt out of it, whatever it takes to get that open wound clean. Because if you don't clean it, what happens? Bacteria sets in, infection sets in, stuff can happen inside of it, and then that will get infected, and when it's infected, the healing actually is, is working against it. Your body is trying to heal it, and so it's sending all these things to attack this, and it's called an infection, and that's why it gets all red and swelled up, because your body is saying, get out, get out, get out, dirt. The dirt needs to leave. Isn't that cool? God naturally made you this way. God naturally made your body to work this way, to fight against filth. Hello? Hello? Isn't this so cool? And he said, you're the salt of the earth. You are a cleaning agent, one that brings purification to the earth. We talked about it, I asked about it. And I'll just say it, without cleaning, there is no healing. Without cleaning cleansing there is no healing we talked about salt and its effectiveness you know can it can salt lose its saltiness well the answer is no it can't but what can it do just as a light he said and then he goes on to say remember he said and i said this last week the light of, you are the light of the world and you don't put the light out but what do you do to the light you cover it up the light doesn't go out it just gets covered up to where it's useless and nobody it, it brings no no uh, effect to the room that it's in. You cover up a light, it's useless. Salt doesn't, use, doesn't lose its saltiness. What it does, though, it can get diluted or contaminated. So if we're not about being clean, we're not about being pure, not about allowing that to work in our lives, we're not about aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit to, to give Him permission to speak into our lives and transform us Instead of dig our heels and say, well, I am what I am, I is what I is, and if you don't like it, then hit the road, or I'll hit the road, right? So what does that look like, real quick? What does purifying look like in a world that is decaying? It looks like this, and I'll just, I just got to, it looks like grace, it looks like mercy, it looks like kindness, it looks like gentleness, it looks like forgiveness, and it looks like acceptance, And that's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying, that we should be to others. We should be to others. Especially to those that are hurting. That are dying. That have decay. That have infections. And yeah, he just brought up all the physical stuff, but there's stuff in our lives that it's like an open wound. 
you know, we've come into this place, we've come into this room, we've come into relationships, and if church, the body of Christ gathering together can't be a safe place to come injured, now I don't know where else to go. The bar, the drug dealer, that'll make me feel good for a minute, you know, pretty bad hangover though, and a life full of bondage and destruction when we're called to be that in a world that's really dying we must be that we have no options we have no choice God has set us for this time we must take advantage of the opportunities to be full of grace full of mercy full of kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and acceptance right where people are at right where their wound is right where their hurt is And that's purifying, that's cleansing when we love and we accept and we bring healing. So yes, salt is a purifier which brings healing. If I was going to do a five and a half points, that would be it. Brings healing. This is pretty cool. Listen to this. You guys still with me? In Jesus' name, protect that person. Man, it was crazy the other day in the rain. It was like, what the heck? What is it? Why do people get stupid when it rains? I don't know. Maybe they just are already. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Mm. Salt is an enhancer. Salt is an enhancer. Listen to this. This is pretty cool. This is simple. Simple to, con- to comprehend if we really take a look at it. People assume that salt adds flavor to your food. Well, it actually does none of the above. On the contrary, what really happens is, listen to this. I want you to hear this, because I I actually did this, just a little Google research. Uh, What really happens is, is when you salt your food, the releasing, listen, there's a releasing of flavor by, is being released in that food by breaking the cell walls down in the vegetables or in the fruits or in the meats. As a result, this allows us to enjoy the natural flavor of the food in which we salt correctly. As the cells break down, this process releases this unique, not only aroma, but also a flavor of that food. Do you hear what that's saying there? This is such a cool thing, concept. I know it's, it's, it may seem shallow, but it's super real. Is that we are the salt of the earth, and what we are to bring to the table is the freedom and the, the allowance and to set people free to be who they, God has designed and created them to be. In their purest form, that is. Not in their sinful state, in our purest form. That's what is so cool is that when we, when we flow in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit flows through us and in us and God uses us, there's an, an, we enhance the room. You enhance others' lives by freeing them to be who God's created and designed them to be. That's so cool to me. I don't know why I just like that. That is absolutely perfect and good and right and true that we are a enhancer to life breaking down the walls not building them up not putting barriers religious ones moral even even moral ones that you might say well man you got to you know I, there's a lot of things i could just like 
put my foot down on and say, no, dig my heels in and say, no, we can't be like that. Am I really doing the right thing by, by putting a barrier down for someone to connect to Jesus? Or am I freeing them up to see Jesus as they need to see Jesus right where they're at? I know that I can go into a lot of details on that, but I'd rather just let the Holy Spirit do that inside of us. This is, a, this is an awesome one because this next point is that salt is a fertilizer. Whoa. Wait, what? Yep. It's a fertilizer. In fact, when Jesus spoke that, he said that you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? It can't, it's not even good for the dung pile it's to be thrown out and trampled on underfoot by men. You don't realize that that's actually the point that Jesus is making in that little piece of uh, scripture, which is in Matthew 5. I think it's in also in Luke uh, um, 9, and maybe, no, Luke 14, maybe in Luke 9, or Mark 9 and Luke 14, I believe, are the other places that uh, Jesus says the same kind of thing. A fertilizer, as a fertilizer... When Jesus says salt is good for the dung pile, fertilizer, hello, what's he saying? Oh, come on, this, is, this isn't really, this isn't difficult. What is he saying? What does fertilizer do? It helps it grow. It helps plants grow. That's what we're supposed to be. Fertilizer, we're supposed to help others grow. Hello? I don't know how... I, I, I need to express this in, in, in this value of salt being a fertilizing agent that helps plants grow, that helps people grow. That's what Jesus is referring to. We are to help each other grow, not hinder each other's growth, help each other's growth. And that's what he's talking about. So if saying if you're not actually helping, you're doing the hurting part and you're actually hindering people from growing, you're really not even that which is worth anything. And that's what I'm called, I'm saying, I am not signing up for that. I want to be a help, a help to help people grow in any shape or form. Hello? And that's what we are the salt miner about. We're enhancing people's lives. We're helping people grow. Yeah, a lot of the ministry we do is involved with helping those in need, uh, um, uh, what's the term now that I'm supposed to use when I speak publicly? I can't remember it. I forget it all the time. And I, uh, um, uh, f- food insecure. That's it. I, we don't call, we don't say, I don't call them needy. That was like way long ago. And I can't even say those in need. Instead, it's the food insecure. And that's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a new language I got to keep up on. I don't even try to keep up with the kids' language. That'd be like, yeah, it's all backwards. I think Carson said to me the other day something about being stupid. I'm like, well, what do you mean stupid? Like, it, well, it's just stupid. It's like, well, that means something different than I think it means. That's stupid. I was like, okay, whatever. Stupid. <laughs> to me, stupid is still stupid. But anyway, praise the Lord. Let's move on. Just about there. <clears throat> In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, I love this. I just love the Word of God. I 
Can I just make a confession? All right. I'm in love with the Word of God. But I'll confess, I don't read it enough. You know why I could say that and why I say that? Because I read it a lot, but I feel like it's just not enough. Because it's, it's, it's like, it's the nourishment and the food and the source of my life. And I feel like I'm, I just, like, I can't, you know, I get into it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to put it down. And, and yet I, I have to, and I feel like this is so rich. God's word is rich. God's word, God's word is, is a healing agent. God's word is all of this stuff. Fertilizer. God's word is that which transforms and changes me. God's word is that which preserves me. And it's, that, it's his word that says these words. Colossians 4 says, live wisely. Live wise, wisely among those who are not believers. You are the salt of the earth. That's what he's referring to. You are the salt of the earth. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Do you see what I'm saying here? And do you see what Jesus is making and what Paul actually is making the same point? Is that this is, this is an obligation and a duty that God puts on us outside these walls. We love, we come together. Come, I want to tell you this. Why do we come to church here? I'm going to ask a question. But I'm going to tell you the answer. Because I love... I, just to celebrate Jesus. I mean, we just come, I mean, that's, we come to celebrate Jesus. Just celebrate Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. But then we go out there, and what do we do? I'm not saying we should go out there and just be like celebrating Jesus all day long, everywhere we go, singing Jesus and talking and preaching and doing this. And No, but what we do in here is to, is to celebrate Jesus. And then we go out there and we be salt. We be light. We be love. We be kind. We be good to those that don't know Him. That's what it's about. That's what we're called to do. So live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. The King James, New King James Version is a popular one that a lot of people like to quote, and it seems like I've heard so many preachers use the word redeeming the time. They'll do a whole entire, you know, months-long message on redeeming the time, but that's where it comes from. Making the most of every opportunity. Redeeming the time. And let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Or as the, they'll say, seasoned with salt. Let that which comes out of your mouth be attractive and be seasoned with salt so that you will have the right response for everyone. Isn't that cool? That that's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. So this last verse and then we'll, we'll worship the Lord again. In Hebrews 11.3, listen to this. It says, by faith, by faith we understand, by faith we believe, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Again, it's, it's going back to that place that I, if we can envision the spoken word of God and everything coming into existence. By faith we believe that. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Do you hear that? 
By faith, we believe that God created and spoke all that's into existence. Hello? Right? Everybody in the room, are, are we there? By faith, we believe that God spoke and created. By faith, we believe that God, what God spoke, actually came into existence. Out of nothing came this. By faith, we understand and believe that everything that exists is because God spoke it. Jesus said, what? You are the salt of the earth. By faith, we believe what Jesus spoke. By faith, we understand that we are the salt of the earth. By faith, we believe and we receive it. Let's go be it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you in Jesus' name for the mighty work of your spirit that you are so awesome and so good that you've called us to be Agents of heaven. Agents of your kingdom come, your will be done. That you have more than called us, you have empowered us by your spirit to be life preservers, to be life enhancers to a world that needs you. And in Jesus' name, by your spirit. Move in us, move through us, that others may see you, and that it would be so attractive that even our conversation, the words we speak, would give life, would give hope, would give purpose, would bring healing, in Jesus' name, by your Spirit. We commit ourselves to you. The covenant that you made with us, Jesus, by nailing yourself, allowing yourself to be nailed to a cross, taking on our sin, bringing forgiveness, bringing hope and life and purpose to us. We now bring that to others. And we say yes. We say yes to what the calling that you put on our lives to be salt, to be light in a dying and dark world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.